All right, we continue in our sermon series, Ephesians chapter 5. If you would, turn in your Bibles. Good to have it there in the context. Uh, today I'll be reading from the NIV, so it will be on the screen. If you don't have the NIV, you can maybe follow along here. It may be a little easier. Uh, during this whole period, the Apostle Paul has been teaching the Ephesians of God's new society, that is the church. He's been helping us understand this in, in a more general way. Now he's going to get more specific and apply this in the home. So these next few weeks will be focused in the home. Today we'll be focusing on the wives. Not picking on you today, um, but it is your turn. Congratulations if you're a wife. Um, but here's, here's the good news. All right, if you're not a wife, I look around the room and I see many non-wives. Um, guess what? God's word is extremely relevant for you today. God has something for you, even you children. God has something for you, okay? I want you to be attentive. I want you to pay attention. God has something for every single one of us, all right? So let's turn our attention to God's word, Ephesians 5. We're looking at verses 21 to 24. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit, should submit to their husbands in everything. Let's pray again. Father, we praise you that every part of your word is relevant to us and to your people, is useful to train us. We pray that you would do just that with your word this afternoon. In Christ's name, amen. The WAO, the Women's Aid Organization in Malaysia, reported that there were over 3,000 domestic abuse cases in 2010. Um, unfortunately, that number doubled in 2016 and has remained around that same, uh, that same number, around 5,000 to 6,000, uh, all the way even throughout the pandemic. And we've heard many stories that it seems that things have seemingly gotten even worse in the home over the pandemic. Now, uh, the sad part is that this is probably just a small picture of the brokenness that's going on in homes today in Malaysia, because many cases of abuse in the home, particularly abuse of a, of a wife, will often go unreported out of fear or, or various reasons. So the statistic is likely much higher. So as we come to this subject, dealing with husbands and wives it is very, very difficult. Someone even hearing my voice may have been abused or maybe is being abused. If that is true of you, um, please do contact your elder, contact me as your pastor. Um, we would really want to help you. There is also a lot of help that you can get. We have a Kasi uh, Care Counseling Center here at our church. We have a number of ladies who have been helping out with that. Would love for you to uh, can 
consider getting help. Um, I'm actually going to send you the information right now. I would love for you, um, if, if this is a relevant issue, for you to get help. Um, so these distortions of God's design can make it really difficult as we come to a passage like this. There's personal obstacles that some people may feel. There's societal failure as a whole. There's also been a, a good bit of cultural changes, even in Malaysia over the last 60 years. Many positive changes have been happening around the world. Praise the Lord. Women are more and more being viewed with dignity and respect, as is due them. And many laws more and more around the world are reflecting that, seeking to protect women. And this is a glorious thing. But there also has been, over the last 60 years, a good bit of overcorrection. So when individuals come to the Bible and they hear this word submission, it sounds rather archaic, um, rather uh, old school. Isn't this, uh, isn't this the problem? Aren't you setting women up to be doormats? Well, as we see in our passage, God has a beautiful design for marriage, a beautiful design for marriage, and it is good for society, it is good for the church, it is good for the home. It's what we're looking at today, God's design, particularly for the wife, but note first that everyone submits to someone, verse 21, everyone submits to someone. This is basic to the Christian life. The word should submit should be a really good word in our community, in the church, because all of us are called to submit in various ways. But particularly, we see in our text that wives submit to their husbands. Verse 22, that's the focus of the text. This is the base, basic principle that God has designed for the family. But an important question is, how does the wife submit? Well, as the church submits to Christ, verse 23 and 24. Just as the church is one with Christ, so too the husband and wife are one. And out of that oneness, there is going to be this beautiful picture that's going to be displayed of Christ's own love for the church and the church's love for Christ. So first off, everyone submits, verse 21. Um, now, I agree with John Stott and the NIV that to put this verse together with verse 22. Verse 21 and 22, I believe, belong together. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The grammar is a little tricky, so that's why some of your verses connect it more with the, with the previous verses. But a participle, which is the case with submit here, um, can function as a verb, and I believe that's the case in this instance. Um, 22, verse 22 doesn't have a verb, interestingly enough, so 21 is supplying it. Okay, maybe this is more detail than we need, but the reality is, however you read it as going with the last section or more with this section, the point is the same. The context is clear. Everyone submits in the body of Christ. We are called to submit to one another. Now, the Apostle Paul is just continuing on with that theme. He's actually coming to a climax of a theme that he began in chapter 4. Make every effort to, keep, to maintain the unity 
in the Spirit. How do we do this? With humility, with gentleness, with patience, with bearing one another in love. That is our calling. And then we've seen how do we have the power to live like this? Well, more and more, these passages have been teaching us that we're, that we're created after the likeness of God in Christ. So if you're a believer, you have the power of Christ in you. You've been created to do this, to put yourself low and to submit to one another in the body of Christ. You've been given a new self, as we talked about last week. So the spirit-filled believer, as we saw, does a lot of thanksgiving. But also the spirit-filled believer does a lot of submitting. More painful, perhaps. But we do a lot of Submitting, just as we saw also last week, that spirit, a spirit-filled Christian is, is engaging the community with love and words that build up. So too, the spirit-filled Christian is putting themselves under one another to honor one another, to respect one another, to listen and hear one another. So there's mutual submission in the body of Christ. Now, what does submission mean? Well, it means to give way to the other. It means to give preference, yielding to them, serving them. Now, this would have been radical in this Jewish and Greek context. All submit, even those who are high up in society. Yes, you're a CEO, you come to church, <laughs> you're called to put yourself under your brother's and sisters around you. This would have been very shocking to those reading this text. Love is not self-indulgent. It's not about you fulfilling your life's dreams and fulfillment to fulfill your own selfishness. No, submission promotes peace. It promotes working together. So submission is a good word. Of course, we know this because Jesus himself taught us as Christians to submit to God, to submit to him, right? You cannot follow Christ unless you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. This means that you put yourself under him. Not only this, but Christians are taught to submit to governments, right? We're taught to submit to church elders. Romans 13 for government, Hebrews 13 for church elders. And it's interesting, the model of the Apostle Paul, who himself continually says to the churches, I am your servant. That's who I am. I'm putting myself under you and wanting to serve you and submit to you. But most strikingly is Jesus himself. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, he comes, takes on human flesh. And what does he do in his earthly ministry? He submits to the Father. So clearly, submission doesn't imply inferiority. Clearly not. Jesus himself submitted to the Father in his earthly ministry. Now, as Pastor Wong talked about unity and talked about how we live with one another, um, it was very clear that Pastor Juan was reminding us that unity doesn't mean that we won't disagree. 
Humility in our relationships, submission to one another doesn't mean that we won't necessarily have different views on a variety of topics and a variety of issues, even uh, important matters of ministry and church life, even as Pastor Juan gave the example of the building. All are in agreement. Elders are in agreement. Many people are in agreement. A few are not. Well, in those moments, God has called you to follow the leaders. God has called you to follow those whom God has put over you, or the majority. There'll be a number of times in Sunday school ministry or worship ministry, covenant group ministry, where there's some, there's some friction. You have some differences with some other brothers and sisters, and how are you called to deal with that? It may be good for you to express your opinion. Likely that would be a good, a good thing to share what you think. But then as you begin to notice in the room that you are a lone voice, there's a moment where you are called actually to submit to your brothers and sisters, of course, unless you believe is a direct violation of Scripture, then we may need to think it through and get some additional help. But just think, if, if churches today were practicing mutual submission, think how many church splits would be, would be resolved if we humbled ourselves before one another. Brothers and sisters, I want you to look around this room right now. Look at each other. It's okay. Um, do you see yourselves as servants to these individuals, these real human beings? Do you see yourselves in submission to these brothers and sisters? Okay. Yes, let's see each other. Let's know each other. Um, there's going to be opportunities for you to really actually put this into practice. So it's good that we prepare ourselves. But here's the challenge. We all have pride. It's really hard to submit ourselves to one another. How do we do it? Well, the text gives us an incredible motivation out of reverence for Christ. The Christian's eyes are ultimately not on each other and each other's worthiness to be submitted to. Our eyes are on Christ. He is worthy. We submit to him because he is king. He is judge. There's to be a sense of reverence that we have toward him, even as we engage our brothers and sisters. We're to recognize, as Bonhoeffer says, that Christ stands between us and these other brothers and sisters that are with us. So then the Apostle Paul moves from the church to the family. I believe this is very clear. He's not just getting now into cultural matters. No, he's He's, he's talking about what's normative for Christian life, and then he's going to apply it in a specific example, particularly in the home. Wives, submit to your husbands. Verse 22, again, what is biblical submission? Giving way, honoring, giving preference, serving, obeying. We get a glimpse of Paul's own definition in verse 33. At the very end of this section, he's giving a summary of what he's been saying to both husbands and, and wives. Listen to this. He says at the very end, let the wife see that she respects her husband. So here Paul is. He's concluding this teaching that's mostly been about submission, and he says it's about respect. It's not just a, a one moment where you, you disagree with your husband and you say, fine, we'll do it your way. 
Well, according to the Apostle Paul, that would not be submission because very deeply connected to this idea of submission is respect. And this is from the heart, not merely some outward kind of yielding or outward show, but to highly esteem the one in whom God has put an authority over you. It's not mere nice words, but it's regularly respecting their judgment. Now, this is really hard. I don't, I don't know, at least from the West, but we have the movies that are pouring in, you know, so there's plenty of influence from the West here. It's an incredible amount of trash talk toward men and their abilities and husbands and fathers to be able to, to do things. So if you begin to absorb that, which I think can be easy to do, I think this guy doesn't deserve my respect. He's not competent. Micah, Pastor Micah, if you knew, my husband in this area and that area just doesn't have it together, okay? (laughs) But we must see very clearly that the respect, the submission, is in the context of sinners. It's not wives, submit to your husbands once your husbands really have it all figured out, okay? That's a good time that you start respecting them and submitting to them. That is absolutely the opposite of actually what is taking place here. Uh, Now, just a quick conversation with the wives, husbands. You may need to close your ears for this one. Um, uh, Okay. So there may be some warning signs already that your husband doesn't feel respected. One of those warning signs could be anger. Now, men, if you're listening, because I know you are uh, still listening, um, this is not an excuse, okay? So let's be very clear. This is not an excuse. But wives, it's very helpful to understand and get into the mind of a man. Very often when a man is feeling disrespected, there's a sense of feeling out of control, which manifests itself in anger, in anger. Or it may be the opposite. It may be that your husband is on the other side and showing signs of passivity. He's just totally checked out. Not saying that it is, but it could be a sign that he does not feel respected by you. He could feel as though if he tries to lead, if he tries to do something, that you're going to take over. And so he's just given up. Fine. You have it your way. Again, men, not an excuse. Now, interestingly enough, in our parallel passage, 1 Peter 3, Sarah is the example. Sarah is the example of someone who who submitted to her husband, who obeyed. Now, if you actually go back and look at that story in Genesis 18, it's very clear that she struggles with this idea of submission. It is clearly not easy for her. She hears of the promise that a child is going to come through her, even in her old age. And Scripture says, Genesis 18, 12, so Sarah laughed to herself saying, am I worn out and my Lord is old? Shall I have pleasure? 
So here, here's Abraham. He's trying to, you know, come and say, okay, honey, this is God's plan. This is what we're going to do. And, um, you know, she's like, this is crazy. Which, you know, this, this doubt moves itself to blatant failure. Then she begins to say, hey, look, maybe you're our servant. You can have sex with him, and then, and then we will have a child, and God's promise will be answered. How about that, Abraham? Abraham follows that idea. But finally, when the promise is reconfirmed to Sarah, here's the amazing part. God is incredibly gracious, very patient, comes back to her, reaffirms the promise to Abraham. Sarah, again, is confronted with this idea. You know what she does? She has sex with her husband at 99. She submits to her husband. And ultimately, what is she doing? She is submitting to God himself. To God himself. So wives... The question is, are you growing in submission like Sarah? It's assumed in the Bible that it's going to be difficult, that it's going to be a challenge. This is understood. But how are you doing growing at respecting him from the heart, from the heart, deep down? There are going to be many disagreements in marriage from the school. You know, know, where do we send our kids to school? How many kids do we have? How do we use our money? There's so many questions. There's so many disagreements that will come up. And wives, it's just good to remember that God has provided a tiebreaker in the home. He does it throughout society. He provides tiebreakers. Now, the husband should seek to create an atmosphere of dialogue. He should seek to make it easy for her to follow and for her to submit. Husbands desperately need their wives. We'll get more to the husband next week. But wives, your number one job is as follower to be supportive. Now, we should... Uh, before we have any misunderstandings, we should note that this doesn't mean uniformity in terms of how it gets played out. This is going to get worked out in different ways in our different homes. The wife is going to have plenty of opportunities to lead. But what is clear is that ultimately it is the husband that should be overseeing. So what are the excuses What are the excuses, wives, that you're making in order to not respect and honor your husband? Early on in our marriage, Blair did the finances. Uh, She was rather great at it. She had a a good bit of experience, more than I did, going into our marriage, and so it was a great blessing for me. Um, But eventually, um, we would have a little child, and life would get more stressful. Uh, The financial situation would get more difficult and stressful. I began to notice Blair was really carrying a huge weight on her shoulders as she was seeking to deal with the finances. So I felt very convicted that I needed to seek to lead and seek to help out in this area as she had a lot on her plate. And so I began to discuss with her 
And uh, I could see that this was difficult. I could see that this was hard. Um, eventually, we would, we would go to counseling over a variety of different issues. And, uh, and the Lord was so good because I began to, to, we began to work through this, this challenge and this, this disagreement of how do we deal with this. And eventually, I would uh, take over the finances. And um, when I hear her now counseling various wives, I will hear her bring up this example. Occasionally, we're counseling couples, even sometimes outside of this uh, church. And uh, I hear her say, God was really working on my heart in this moment. In this moment, because it was an area where I had competence. It was an area where I wasn't so sure in Micah's confidence. And I actually needed to let him fail. See, this is where the rubber meets the road with submission, with respect. That oftentimes, if wives are going to allow their husbands to lead, they're going to have to let them fail. That's how we learn. That's how we learn, unfortunately, through failure. That's what we tell our children. We actually don't learn any other way. So, dear sister, submit even at a cost, and the Lord will grow you. The Lord will grow your husband. And uh, Blair and I, we still go back to that moment. We still remember that conflict and how the Lord used it in both of our lives to mature us. But again, come back to our passage. God has given us motivation. He's given us strength because ultimately our submission is to God himself. Notice the verse, as to the Lord, submit to your husband as though it were to Christ himself. So here's the beautiful thing. Wife, your relationship is interwoven with your husband. Your relationship with Christ is interwoven with your relationship with your husband. You want to know how to submit to Christ. Well, one opportunity, one way in which we live that out is by submitting to the husband. Again, our eyes must be fixed on Christ to do this. This is what the Apostle Paul wants these ladies at Ephesus to see very clearly. Don't get fixated on all the ways you want to change your husband. It's not going to do you good. Fixate on Christ. Fixate on Him and His worthiness. And submit to him by submitting to your husband. Now, I believe this is also, this little phrase, as to the Lord, is also limiting submission. If your husband is calling you to lie, cheat, steal, not follow Christ, not be a part of the people of God, well, we're called to obey Christ over human authorities. So we must submit to Christ. So, sisters, again, do you see yourself in submission to Christ as you submit to your husband? Now, if you get this, if you get that you're serving Christ, 
This will turn a drudgery, this painful duty, into a delightful one. It really will be joyous if you are seeing that as you serve your husband, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. This will make it a joy for you. This will turn a, a, a house that's filled with constant conflict. It will, it will create peace in the home. And it will be beautiful. Now we come to verse 23 and 24. How is it that the wife submits? Well, she submits as she submits to Christ, and she's going to do it as the church submits to Christ. There's deep motivation here. Our submission reflects this beautiful relationship that Christ has with his bride. First off, there's headship. That's what it says. Christ is head of the church. So too, the husband is head of the wife. And this authority is to be viewed as beautiful. Now, often in our day, we view authority very negatively, and we, and we kind of feel like Christ has eliminated all authority because there's the priesthood of all believers, because there's mutual submission. But authority is still maintained. And it is a beautiful thing because it's going to show forth Christ and his love for the church and the church's love for Christ. Now, I think we can particularly see the type of headship that Christ has in this passage. Notice that it highlights that Christ is the Savior. This is the way in which he demonstrates his headship. He's not like the leaders of the world who abuse their power, who in their pride dominate. No, Jesus serves. That's the focus of next week. Jesus serves. So too, in our homes, the husband should be serving the wife. Just as Christ's headship is sacrificial, so too, in our homes, husbands should be protecting their wives at the cost of their own life. They should be serving. How did Jesus use his headship? He washed the disciples' feet. That's the kind of authority. That's the kind of leadership that we see here. There's caring. There's nurturing. Now, Paul is building to this primary point in verse 32. Again, I, I, I jump ahead to the end of Paul's argument. Verse 32. This marriage is to display this glorious union that we have with Christ. The most intimate, most beautiful relationship in all of human history is Christ and his relationship with his bride. Now, wives, get this. Get this. Every day with your husbands, you have an opportunity in the here and now to display the beauty of this consummate love that we will enjoy through all eternity of Christ and the church. You have an opportunity to experience God in a very real way as you walk with your husband patiently, graciously, respecting him and submitting to him. It's incredible motivation here. I love what Charles Simeon 
said a few hundred years ago, what difficulty is there in obeying the commands of love? There's this love relationship that's been set up, even a relationship that has authority. So what a joy it is to follow. Show forth the beauty of the gospel. John Stott says, to sum up authority in biblical usage is not a synonym for tyranny. Authority is not a synonym for tyranny in this biblical usage. Man, get ready. Next week, your turn. Verse 24 refocuses on the wife's submission. Notice this. The church submits to Christ so also wives should submit. It's a little shocking here. In everything. Now, what does this mean? Well, it simply means that this authority stretches to all aspects of life. Doesn't mean that he does everything. Certainly doesn't mean that he micromanages everything. No, but the wife should see that her submission extends over all these various areas in life. See, we would often like this, even in our obedience to Christ, we would like there to be lots of exceptions. You know, wives can be tempted to say, okay, husband, that's fine. You take the finances, but the kids, that's my domain, okay? Um, the house, okay, please, please stay out of the kitchen. This is my domain. Um, but here's the reality. Is it is a call to submit in everything, in every way. The Apostle Paul reminds the husband and the wife, your body is not your own. So the husband should be giving himself to the wife. The wife should be giving himself to the husband. It can be tempting for the wife to cut off sexual relationships, to say, I'll submit to you in other areas, but not this area. It's my body. But brothers and sisters, God has more for us. He has more for us. Is there any area, sister, that, God, that you have declared off limits to your husband? Now, Kent Hughes offers a very helpful qualification. Everything, he's already included limits in this passage, but everything is not slavish obedience, as if to take it uncritically, absolutizing it not taking into account the fact that the example of Christ flavors in everything. So that it means in everything consonant with Christ's character. So a husband who is rightly leading is going to be leading with gentleness and respect, is not going to be domineering over every little minute detail. No, his primary concern is going to be on those things that Christ himself is concerned about. So if your husband sleeping around and says, hey, look, honey, submit to me. The Bible says to submit. So submit. Actually, Jesus 
gives you a protection. Matthew 19. Jesus would say, this actually, husband, I'm sorry, your wife has actually grounds for divorce. Or your husband is going off gambling. He's virtually abandoned you. And he says, hey, I want you to keep paying for my bills. Well, wives, you should know very clearly that 1 Corinthians 7, the apostle, is actually of grounds for divorce. There are limits to a man's authority, and men should not be focusing their attention in this passage on what the wife is called to do. No, notice this is addressed to wives. So husbands, you can just entrust this to the Lord, their duty. Your duty is coming next. But this can be challenging for us, particularly some, some who may have husbands who are not believers or who are not really being faithful to the Lord. Some of you may be asking that question, what do we do in that situation? Well, 1 Peter 3 can help us. Listen as I read 1 Peter 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. So what's the response? Wives, be faithful. Be faithful. No matter where your husband is, respect him and trust God with the results. Here's the thing, God loves to powerfully work through the conduct of wives. It's very common in Malaysia, right, for wives to come to Christ and then their husband to remain a believer. We have a number of friends even outside the church that this is, this is the case and would want to encourage any of those who are here, if that is your situation, press on, sister. Press on. The Lord sees your faithfulness. He sees your good deeds, even when your husband may not. Press on. You want to know how to change them? Focus on your own character. Respect them. Submit to them. And hope in God. Put your hope in Him, as First Peter says. This is also true for believing spouses. We're to believe in God's power to change. We so often want to force change in our families. But we want to trust that God is the one who will change. Now, I believe for our wives to do this, they need our support. Here's where the rest of us come in. We are called to pray for our sisters who are seeking to be faithful to the Lord, some in very difficult situations. We can all encourage them, particularly for older, older women in this church. Titus 2 says older women have an opportunity to train these younger women to do what? To love and respect their husbands. Whether you're widowed, whether you're divorced, whether you're a lifelong single, do not plan to get married, pray 
pray for the wives of this church and those potential wives. Single ladies, this is an opportunity for you to learn to submit to the Lord in everything. Make no exceptions. Submit to him in every area of your life. Young girls, submit to the Lord in every area of your life. What a wonderful training to prepare you to follow the man in whom God may provide for you one day. Single men, look for a spouse who loves the Lord, who is submitting to him. There was a couple in our church many years ago. Um, I once had the privilege of hearing their, their testimony, and, and the wife came to Christ, and um, the husband was not a believer. Uh, she was reading 1 Peter 3 and was just totally convicted with her lack of respect for her husband. Just trash-talking him and, uh, yeah, not, not living in biblical submission and respect. And um, the Lord began to change her. And more and more, she began to learn to honor her husband. And her husband began to be blown away by this. He, he was, she became totally different in the way that she related to him. And he couldn't understand why or how. He knew he didn't deserve respect. I mean, deep down, he knew he had been a bad husband. <laughs> and, and so he would ask her. She would say, well... First Peter 3. And this would so intrigue him that he would begin to pursue and understand the claims of Christ and understand more about the scriptures than he himself would, would come to embrace Christ. It's a beautiful testimony of what the power of God can do through a simple wife being obedient to Christ, submitting her whole life to him and honoring and respecting her husband. Excited to see what the Lord could do in our church through our wives, through their testimony, through their faithfulness. I'm so encouraged by the women of this church. We are very blessed in this church. We have many women with very godly character. We have many strong women. We have many highly intelligent and highly capable women. And it's incredible. It's a beautiful thing. Our church, we aim to empower you, to bless you, to free you to serve Christ. But let it also be said, let it also be said in our homes, our society, that we have women who submit to their husbands, who respect their husbands. Wives, remember we all submit. We all submit. It's just basic to the Christian life. And now you have an opportunity in God's wisdom. He's given an authority figure in your life. And you have an opportunity to submit to him. How do you do this? You do it in the Lord. You do it for Christ, recognizing that he has Put your husband over you for a reason, and you can submit just as Jesus submitted to the Father, willingly and joyfully. And lastly, wives, remember as you submit, you are going to display this beautiful relationship of Christ and his church.
Let's pray. Father, we uh, praise you for your design of the home. We know it is good. So we pray that you would help us to trust you. We pray that you would help us to walk by faith and not by sight. To live in accordance to your word, even when it's hard. Father, we pray for our wives. We pray that they would be strengthened by your spirit to fulfill the calling in the home that you have granted to them. I pray that you would make it a joy. I pray that we as a church would support them in every way, encourage them. And Lord, that you would draw many who are not in Christ, that you would draw them to yourself. We pray for those husbands who are not believers. Their wife is a believer even here in our church. Lord, we pray that you would soften their heart, that you would bring them to Christ, that they might see the love of their wife and be so humbled. They might see Christ himself and be changed. We pray all this for your glory. Amen.